to the next best podcast with your hosts, Chris Cashman. 24 years old, a former sheet metal worker, Mr. America, and twice Mr. Universe. And Chris Daniels. Time Magazine even named him Person of the Century. Now, from the CNC Podcast Factory, here's the next best podcast. All right, Chris, we got together about this time last week for what we called a status update. We wanted to keep people up to speed on what's happening with the Seattle arena situation or the lack of an arena situation. Uh, and here we are, barely a week later, and we have another micro update. Now, we should say that you and I are products of the 80s and <laughs> 90s. We were influenced by movies like uh, 70s <laughs> revenge of the nerds uh, and we know that when it comes down to important decisions they are often made by either a tribunal or a council depending on which and we all are painfully aware that in seattle it is the city council that stands between us and an arena and where that arena might be and they got together and like always you went so that others didn't have to yes that's that's my old joke yeah. if you follow on twitter i go to meetings so you don't have to and yeah i went to a meeting uh on, on monday of this week and nobody else in the room huh. it was supposed to be a just run-of-the-mill <laughs> briefing hey here's what we're doing here's what's going to be on the agenda this afternoon here's right. Here's what we're going to talk about with the budget. And uh, to my surprise, and, and the only other person in the room, which was somebody uh, who works for the city council, uh, they started talking about the arena hmm. and talking about where they stand and how they think this will get done in the next month. And it was all prompted by Councilmember Mike O'Brien, who uh, just decided to air his grievances. <laughs> Huh. At that particular briefing, uh, when when it was brought up that there was going to be a meeting in November of the Civic Arenas meeting, and here's how it how it unfolded as the council members talked openly about the status of the key arena project uh, and the new arena at Seattle Center. A couple things I want to mention, Councilmember, is just following up on the. Um, the meeting next week about the Seattle Center Coliseum and the the lease potentials there. Um, I want to just flag that I am uh, struggling during budget season to keep up with the complexity of that, and I have tried to um, dig into it. But I got to say that the budget is taking all of my attention, and unless we resolve some issues here really quickly, I imagine for the next couple of weeks I'm going to be in the same spot. Um, I also have. Uh, um, a previous commitment um, out of town the day that meeting was scheduled. It's been on my calendar for almost a year, so I'm unable to be at that meeting, and so I'm I'm feeling very squeezed on the timeline um, that we're supposed to vote this out of, and I just want to acknowledge that to everyone. I'm going to do my best to work through it. Um, I've also heard some concerns from folks in the music community um, in the last week, and I'm trying to give them some time and some of my attention to understand what those concerns are and what alternatives we might think about. But again, being in the thick of budget season, I, I feel like I can't do my amount of due diligence on something this complicated and this long term um, at the moment. So hopefully that shifts, but I just wanted to let people know that. Um, uh, Councilmember Brent, mm -hmm. if you have specific questions, um, I also am supporting Councilmember Juarez and getting back to you. Um, all of the issues around the, what the music industry has raised and some of the concerns about the economics. We're 
digging really deeply into these, and you know that we've been working on it for six months, so if there's something that we can offer you to help you, um, you know, the Cliff Notes versions, please let us know. That'd be great. Um, I appreciate that, and I'll take you up on that offer. Um, part of the reality for me is um, I need to be able to, to spend a significant amount of time with the documents so that I know the questions I have. Um, there's a lot of tax money going back and forth, and understanding what those are compared to other deals and what we've done historically just takes some time so I can ask those questions. And that's that's one of the things I'm struggling with. Councilmember Ryan, I just want to also um, uh, offer that, um, you know, like many communities, there isn't, um, I think, a single voice um, in the in the music community. Yeah. Um, and I've been working with the Seattle Music Commission and identifying some um, some uh, recommendations for to incorporate in the MOU to address um, some concerns that have been raised from the Seattle Music Commission um, with the current key arena uh, proposal. Last, uh, Councilmember. Oh, Brian, I heard you loudly and clearly on um, the the arena MOU and the issues and the, the bandwidth and time on this. I just want to remind you and others that what we're trying to do because of the construction schedule, what we've tried to do is both hire outside experts, both financial and or more financial and even NBA or NHL types of experts to protect our interests through this process in addition to having central staff at every meeting. So I'm, I'm saying all that to say I'm hopeful we can get get it done this year. So I, I was getting a little antsy when you're saying that. I, I, you know my style. If, if council members need more time, I will err always on that side. I don't want to rush a process. But um, I'm hopeful we can try to get it done this year. And I just want to go ahead, Councilman Brian. And I, I appreciate that. I understand. And I'm, I'm, I'm not um, trying to intentionally disrail that process or sorry, derail that process. Um, but it's it's just um, it's an overwhelming amount of work, and I find that and during this budget session, I mean, we um, I don't know exactly what our policies are, but generally we clear the decks during budget on policy issues, and I recognize that it is driven by a construction timeline designed to deliver an NHL team starting in 2020 in the fall of 2020, and I'm just weighing that reality versus the reality of my personal ability at least to do the types of due diligence that I'd want to do. Um, and I guess, um, you know, one of my, one of the things, if, if budget season doesn't start to um, streamline quite a bit, um, and I don't see that happening anytime soon, um, wondering if there's a way to get, um, you know, another month or so of time to look at that. And, and if the trade-off is between hockey in 2020 versus hockey in 2021 versus us doing the, or me at least being able to do my thorough due diligence. Um, that's just a trade-off I'm going to have to consider, but I'm one of nine. So. Okay. so an excerpt there of the meeting that took place this week. Interesting development. Well, it, it was interesting in that it, what you just heard there was Mike O'Brien, right. Deborah Juarez, Sally Bagshaw, Lisa Herbold, Bruce Harrell, all weighing in on the status of this project, and, and Mike O'Brien saying, hey, I, I've been tied up with the budget. I, I haven't had time to review this comprehensive Memorandum of Understanding, and and Sally Bagshaw, Councilmember Bagshaw, uh, one of the longest tenured council members, saying, mm -hmm. "Hey, I can I can help you with some cliff notes," and 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 it really seems like there's almost this uh, air of inevitability, if I can say sure. it, right now, uh, about a month out from a potential vote, with four different council members, it seems like already uh, in favor of of moving forward with 
making the tentative MOU a, a final uh, memorandum of understanding between Bruce Harrell, the council president, Deborah Juarez, Sally Bagshaw, Lisa Herbold almost seemed to tip her hand saying she's been working with the music community on amendments. Uh, but what Michael Bryan was saying there is, hey, I'm concerned about the taxes going back and forth, that we haven't done a thorough review of that, the speed of this. He, he was even asking for another month. But what comes out of that is Mike O'Brien also dropping that for the first time in, in a forum like that, that we know that this is all, and I'm paraphrasing, getting done so we can get a NHL franchise by 2020. Right. And, and so be it if it's 2021 as opposed to 2020 if we need to take another month on it. But I, I kind of looked around the room saying, wow, the, the council members are actually talking about a team associated right. uh, with this project at Key Arena. And, and that was interesting, too. Well, and interesting in that I know as you and I get together to talk about this from week to week and what the latest is or new developments, that's always been my stance from the fan side of things is red tape aside in, in formalities and legalities and all of that. I, I kept wondering why as Chris Hansen would come forward on on the Soto side of things and say, hey, what about this proposal? What if we reach a compromise? We, we you know, subdivide Key Arena. What if we do both? We've got NBA over here. You've got the music venue over there. We can talk about hockey. My issue was always that it seemed to be on this fast track. As much as we're all anxious to have a team 10 minutes ago, uh, I, I got really bothered by these new proposals kind of getting swept under the rug as though it was too late. Nope, we're already down the road. Kirin is happening. Deal with it. Seemed to be the general tone. Of course, I'm, I'm, you know, that's loaded. But you understand the point is, is, is it did seem as though the Hanson group wasn't necessarily getting uh, the same level of attention as the Kirin situation, which seemed to be all but a done deal. The hands have been you know, they shook yeah. hands. We're really just waiting for some of these documents to be presented. So at least this appears to be a pumping of the brakes saying, hey, we got to make sure we know everything there is to know about this. Pumping of the brakes from one council member. But right. the, the pushback that he received was, no, I, I think we need to get this done in a short amount of time based on the construction schedule that, that the Oakview group. And, and I like to, you know, think back. I mean, God, I, you know, I've been talking about this for 11 years now, but the roles were almost reversed back in 2013, 2012, 2013, 2014, with people talking about, well, why why should we put this through now? Why should we pass the Soto Arena? And it was all because there appeared to be a team coming. Right. And, and, and that is awfully tough for a council member or an elected official to turn down. And when there's not a team associated, then, well, why aren't we talking about this other idea? You know, and, and that was—it's it, kind of the circle of life with this story. It's, right. it's was what has brought us back to Key Arena, and as you and I have talked about before, if Chris Hansen had an investor, had an owner, to step forward and say, "I want to be the NHL or NBA owner," which he has tried in the past uh, since the Kings deal fell through, right. uh, perhaps we're having a different conversation right now. And where uh, Oakview and, and Tim Liewicki have succeeded is they have brought David Bonderman to City Hall, who uh, is a UW grad, who has uh, the wherewithal, financial wherewithal. It's well-documented, worth a billion and a half, according to Forbes, uh, as somebody who has been involved in the NBA, as a minority owner of the NBA, who is somebody who has talked with the NHL before about having a team. He's got the bona fides. he, He is a person that has met with council members as somebody saying, 
I want to be an owner in Seattle. And that has not been matched uh, in Soto in in the last three or four years. And that's what entices council members who, uh, besides the fact we're talking about uh, private versus public and all that kind of stuff, the fact that you have a team potentially associated with the project uh, puts a little more air or wind in the sails, so to speak, uh, for the Oakview group. Do you suppose that the Soto group and the Chris Hansen thing doesn't get the traction that maybe, you know, from a from way back here where I am, it seems like it doesn't get the attention it deserves. But do you think it's just a matter of the out of sight, out of mind? He's not here. He's not in Seattle. He's not able to really rattle cages. Well, I, I don't know if that's the case because what what you see now with Oakview is— I mean, Oakview's, you know, they've got the, an office, right? We read the article where they talked about their, their office and the leather couch they have here in yeah. Seattle. The fact that Hanson doesn't have boots on the ground, that makes me wonder if it's hard for him— to get the support. Well, uh, what Oakview has done is they hired Lance Lopes very early on, right. uh, who, who's a local guy, to, to lead this effort. And uh, he has been at a lot of meetings. I mean, I've seen him at right. a lot of meetings uh, uh, and working with the community. And, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty uh, with, with how Soto has unfolded. Uh, Tim Laiwicki, like Chris Hansen, is a Californian. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, but, but Oakview has, has kind of – uh, taking this on in a different way than we necessarily have seen in the last three or so years from the Hanson Group. I mean, it, it's it's easy to look at Soto now, but but we were talking about the same things back in 2012 and 2013, and uh, boy, they needed to do this if if they wanted to get a team now. Uh, and and it'll be it'll be uh, interesting to see this story in another year if we can definitively look back and say. Hey, Hanson wasn't given a shot because of A, B, and C, uh, or or did Oakview just approach this in a a new, fresh way and and went over some folks? I think at the end of the day, as you and I have talked about over and over and over again, the 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 one question that has never been able to uh, fully be addressed by the Hanson I know. group turned down for what? <laughs> is that the, is that the, not the question? I'm trying to bring in the younger. Who who let us. the dogs out? Yes. Let, no. Let's even go further back. What's no. the one question? Uh, is yeah. how do you how do you protect a city entity? Right. Uh, if you're going to build another arena across town, what becomes of what becomes of the city entity? And right. I've said that over and over and over and over. And, and the Hanson Group had an idea, yeah, to subdivide that came very late in the game. Which my argument to that has always been, well, because it wasn't a necessary proposal until recently, until he knew, oh, okay, the train's heading that way and it's going without me. Maybe, you know, it it was probably a bit of a desperation pitch, but I don't think it should be discounted just because it came in late. Let's all, as Councilmember O'Brien saying, let's make sure we look at everything. Not not that he's saying that about Soto, but, you know, do you you suppose anything comes of that or is this just a a Howard Hughes, show me all the blueprints? Yeah, I... (laughs) Howard you know? Hughes. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think at this point, it, I mean, you hear Tim Burgess, the the current mayor for at least a, a few more weeks in Seattle. He says he thinks there's going to be a vote in December. He thinks that there's been no red flags that have presented themselves with the Oakview proposal. He uh, was part of City Club uh, at an event here in the last week and was asked again about uh, Chris Hansen's proposal and said, hey, we're still waiting on documents. So it all it all adds up to where this is going. Uh, the equation appears to be uh, the city's going to move forward on, on a, a key arena renovation. And, and let's not forget, uh, myself included, 
everybody looked at that property and thought, there's no way you can build another building here. Right. And and we will see after the uh, environmental review and and uh, traffic analysis whether you can. Um, but everybody thought uh, involved in this looked at it. There was no way it could happen. There was an AECOM study to to look at it uh, or to to renovate it. Talked about renovating it for two hundred eighty five million dollars. Everybody laughed that off. A lot of people, I should say, laughed that off. Uh, nobody really thought you could build something there until Oakview came in with a legitimate architectural firm and said, hey, we can we can excavate this out more. Right. We can build out to the south side. I, I, until I had a full tour of Key Arena, I didn't realize how much room was there on the south side uh, where the, the kitchen has been and the parking and uh, the, uh, the access uh, for, for trucks. There, there's a lot of room there, sure. and I think – a lot of people don't realize that uh, right. because the concourses are so small in the existing building. Right. Uh, but it but it wasn't until Oakview came came through and said, "Hey, you know, uh, I think uh, I think the Seattle Times uh, said he's P.T. Barnum or, or quoted David Stern as saying right. he's P.T. Barnum." Until P.T. Barnum came to town and said, "Hey, I got a plan, uh, and uh, we can do this." Nobody thought it was possible to get to this point. So what happens next? I know uh, there's another get together, a get together of uh, your favorite committee. The Council of the Tribunal. <laughs> no, the Committee on Civic uh, Arenas. The Seattle Select Committee on Civic Arenas. It's a big uh, big name. Ah, yes. Yes, uh, November the 17th. That's the Thursday. Let me let me, let me me check my, so that's the my handy calendar. And then, of course, we're all expecting this vote ultimately to go down the in 16th. December. The, the 16th. I stand corrected. Holiday season, so. Yes, the 16th. November the 16th. Thursday okay. at 1030. Uh, and, and they will talk about me- amendments to the MOU. And uh, based on what we heard in council, uh, they're they're looking at that first week in December as a potential vote. There's one guy I know will be sitting in that audience. Who? Who? The guy. Oh, me! The only guy I know who wears a tie and a pocket square for a podcast. You know it, buddy. Always looking good. Thanks, Chris. Is this real life? On Twitter and Instagram at Next Best Pod. Chris, I like you. I just don't think it was an incredible vocal performance. That's the point I was trying to make. This is the exclusive ending of the Next Best Podcast.